special day here at Cardinal Goodman's High School. We are welcoming Mr. Jeff Bell here to our campus um, for a first kind of official visit starting his tenure in July. Uh, but he wanted to get hit the ground running, which is a question I'm going to ask you about later. I'm looking forward to that I question. know you are. I know you are. Uh, this is Nancy Barkin, uh, interim principal here at Cardinal Gibbons, and I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Jeff, and let's jump right in. So, what were your first impressions of Cardinal Gibbons, and what do you feel are the school's strengths and areas for improvement? This is Gibbons' parent, Wendy Robeson. She has triplet daughters, Ashley, Madeline, and Samantha. Um, My first impression was... When we, when my wife Kim and I came in to interview, we were meant to head out to dinner with the, with the three of you, and Rogo picked us up from the airport, and we were talking, um, and Rogo missed the exit and said, "Oh, we're at the Gibbons exit. Would you like to go and see the school?" To which Kim and I immediately said, "Absolutely." Now, mind you, it was a Sunday night, so we expected it to be empty and dark, and it was none of those things. So we wandered in and. Within 30 seconds, before we even spoke with anybody, Kim and I both looked at each other, and we've been married for almost 15 years, and, and like we could say to each other, this is the right place. Didn't need to know much more. That really got sort of hammered into us, though, because there was a, a play going on that evening, and uh, we met Kathy Stevens, who is the business manager and also somehow or another runs plays and the, the book there, which was great. And then parents started introducing themselves, but for me, the highlight was going to the sound booth and hanging out with three or four students who obviously were getting ready for a show, didn't know me from Adam, and were ready to talk to me about Gibbons, this show, the next show, their career plans, and didn't skip a beat. And I want to be around students who feel that level of comfort around adults, who know what they want to do, and who also um, really, to me, very much embodied the mission and the vision of Gibbons. And I was just really learning that at that moment in time. I got the standard Rogo tour, so four hours later we went out to dinner, but <laughs> it was still, it was just a moment where, uh, again, you never know until you show up at a place. And, then, and that first impression, so it was before the official interview began, we were, our fingers were crossed from the very beginning. And I think that visit, that initial visit, really for us highlighted the strengths of the school, which at the end of the day, I think, come down to kind of three C's, Catholic, culture, and community. Um, and those three, that, that Venn diagram uh, encapsulates Gibbons for, for me. It's a, clearly a strong community with a distinct culture that's dynamic and open to change, but also has a real rootedness within this time and space, but also looks to the to the past too, with all the the history, that that mission wall, the gym floor. I was in Mr. Monroe's office this morning, and there's a somehow a bar made out of the old floor there too, yes. which is such a cool or a desk, which is really cool as well. Um, and then obviously for me, what was so important and why I'm most excited to be here is because it's a Catholic institution and aligning my faith life with my professional life, with my family life. Um, I couldn't ask for more. And given seems like that, that place where all these things will come together um, and being, having the opportunity to sort of live into that at a high level is exciting. And 
again, I'm here in January and February because I'd rather start now um, so that my first day is not my first day. And so making sure that I can really sharpen the strengths that need be um, and then sort of address whatever kind of bumps in the road come along, which always happen in any school you're going to find your way into. So that actually leads me to my next question, which is you have had a variety of experiences, both as an educator, a classroom educator, as well as varying leadership positions. Mm -hmm. So what do you feel like your experience prior to this has prepared you um, for a new next head of school? Sure. So I think there's two distinct experience areas that will bring be brought to bear at Gibbons. First, um, my career began in boarding school, which when I started, that was sort of like a I didn't know if that was for the bad kids or the good kids, but it was an interesting experience to have. And uh, I really learned how teenagers live and are, because once you become an adult, you think you remember what it's like to be a teenager, but you really kind of forget. And so to, to live with 80 boys in one dorm and 12 girls in another at various schools, both in, in Illinois and in Tennessee, um, I got a, I got a really good and rich sense of sort of how adolescents operate, not just in the school building, but also after school, on the fields, in the dorms. And I think it's given me a greater understanding, um, and I hope I can lend some of that expertise to our educators here, just having had that that, that time with, with students. Um, so that's part one. And then, as some of you may know, um, I, I'm the founding head of School Beacon, and so doing a startup, um, you, you're doing everything at all times. And my impression of given so far is that's the norm here is everyone's doing everything at all times. Um, and so I think I'll fit right in there. Um, but by the same, but I think also importantly, um, having a pretty deep understanding of how operations of an institution work. Um, I'm excited to sort of jump into that as DB and I'm not afraid to be pushing them up around or asking for a, for a major gift. That's I'm equally comfortable in both. In both. I prefer the latter for obvious <laughs> reasons, but I, I'll do the former if, if need be. Um, but I think because of the extraordinary growth that Gibbons has experienced over the last 10 or 15 years, per capita, that's not very different from what we've seen at Beacon in the last six. And so while um, it's a, on a different scale, I do think from a, a culture perspective, and what I've heard a lot and is this idea of, of, of messy in a good way, um, that's not very different from what Beacon is either. And so being able to sort of kind of leap into this, but having well-established practices and ideas and being able to augment those, um, I think, I hope, uh, can be an asset in that way as well. Okay. So I think a question, I think one of the first questions students asked me when I transitioned last year into this was, are you going to change the dress code? I think somebody reached out to you and might have asked you, are you going to change the dress code? So a good question that we got from... A Gibbons parent, um, Arnisha Fox, she has a daughter, Talay, who's a sophomore, and her older son, Talez, graduated in 2019. She asks, are you going to hit the ground running with making changes, or will you get will you get the feel of the school, the student, parent, educator community to see where improvements are needed? Both. Um, so I, of course, again, the reason for these visits that will be occurring over the pretty much monthly until I arrive is to be, is to start running, um, but that doesn't mean a breakneck pace. Um, that means at a steady jog, um, so that I'm building relationships with the, as many folks as I can to sort of 
short circuit that long process of onboarding so that when I really begin in earnest in July, um, I think I'm able to work collaboratively with students, with parents, with educators, with administration to sort of think about what our next steps are. Um, and also, more importantly, especially uh, in a new school setting for me, what's the order for operations? Because a lot of times you might walk into a place and say, well, my last school, we did this. We're going to do this here. That's not the way to do it successfully. So I think what I'll try to do is learn a lot slash cram Gibbons for the next six months so that I'm kind of ready to really begin in earnest some work that hopefully has has high impact for our community but doesn't radically change the culture. Um, I don't know what those things are yet. I have, I have about seven to 36 ideas about what those are. <laughs> I'm not ready to unveil those just yet. You know, one of the things that I know made me excited about you coming on board was from that first time that we had dinner um, that Sunday night, you spoke to Mr. You spoke to Mike Kiratola, Mike Rogosic, and I about retreats and mm-hmm. how that retreat center, you wanted to know a lot about it because mm-hmm. retreats are important to you. So Tim Ulenik asks, what is, he's our director of retreats. He asks, what is your experience with working with retreats? What do you see as the future direction of retreats at Gibbons, given the school has its own retreat center? So I, I went to a Jesuit high school in St. Louis, and so we had a retreat program not dissimilar to what Gibbons was, I imagine, prior to Short Journey, so freshman, sophomore, junior in Kairos. Um, and I did most of those when I was there, and I, I really I had a, a really important spiritual experience in my junior retreat um, there. And then went to college, went to divinity school, et cetera. Um, but then when I moved to Tennessee in 2010, there was a very robust retreat program at, in Sewanee. And I started off my first my first year with the seniors, which was really cool, but also really challenging because they didn't know me. And I had, to, I had to really prove myself to them. But I saw, I'd forgotten the, the impact and power of retreats. And that was an Episcopal school, so a different ball game, but had a faith-based component to it as well. Um, and so that was something that really reminded me the impact that getting off campus and being intentional in some outdoor activities and prayerful activities, how that can can bring a class together or a group of students together, and also how when they when they come back from those experiences, they impact the school in a positive way. At Beacon, we before we opened the school, we had a retreat. So we went to northern Wisconsin and we took the entire school there to this college campus, and this has been a tradition of the school ever since that when students come back, um, they will really remember uh, how they were formed in those moments in terms of community building. Um, and then it, once we started having seniors at Beacon, in, pre- in a premonition sort of way, we've always come to Asheville, North Carolina, because I have a lot of connections there and friends who are there. And so we go to UNC Asheville and, and do all kinds of things in Asheville. So, um, and then most recently, sort of to get my 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 own faith life ready to roll and my spirituality intact. Um, I went on a silent retreat uh, for three days in, uh, in the western suburb at a Jesuit retreat house of, of Chicago. As you get to know me, silent retreat, challenge. Um, to not speak for 48 hours straight, radically hard for me. However, I came back with a sense of balance, purpose, and really... Uh, Almost, almost cleansed both 
intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. So um, I am. I, I know tomorrow I'm going on a retreat um, for a little while to my to my first trip to short journey. So I'm excited about that, um, and I'm really looking forward to ha- playing an active role as the head of school in the retreat program, both from a strategic perspective, but also frankly from a participatory perspective as well. I actually really like the fact that one of the things you asked me was, do I get to go on retreats too? And again, the Mikes and I were so excited by that. Just the idea that you knew to ask that question Mm -hmm. of us, because none of this can happen without all of us doing this work. Like it can't happen. So knowing that you're comfortable with it, it's really important to you. You've done it as an adult for yourself because you see its importance. Um, really resonated with with us. Uh, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and it, I'm going to ask a question about kind of college counseling. So this is from Jeanette Habsall, our director of college counseling. She asks, is there any aspect from the college counseling program at Beacon that you would consider incorporating into the program at Cardinal Gibbons? So I'm Jen and I have had some time together, so um, but I, I don't want to speak. There might be things that you're doing already that I'm not aware of. But again, I think it's about relationships and um, building a relationship with that student who's going through the process and also the parents who, if they're not footing the bill, are very invested in that process and, and making sure that as students are going through that college process, which has become very stressful in a in a irrational way in the last 10 or 15 years that we're able to celebrate the successes that our students have and that we define success in a broad way i mean it's so narrowly defined in college in college counseling right now a little note only 46 colleges in the whole country have an acceptance rate of fewer than of less than 20% but those are the ones that many, many schools are very hyper-focused on. I know that's not the case here at Gibbons, but I really want to sort of hopefully we can lean into sort of thinking about college counseling as almost post-secondary placement, knowing that most of our kids are going to go to college. But, you know, you really don't want – we don't want our students peaking when they turn 18. I mean, if they can jump through all the hoops and they get into college X, we're really happy for them. But – you know, 18 is a, is a fine year to be, but what do they do when they're 28, 38, and 48? And so looking to that as, as college counseling is a part of that journey and really um, helping our students understand that this is a place and a moment in time. And while this can be a defining moment in your life, it's not the defining moment in your life um, and helping them to find that perspective as much as possible. And it's very hard because the culture suggests Otherwise, yes. Thank you for that. You and I had a chance to talk about fine arts at Beacon, so I like this next question from Martha Zaldivar, who's our choral director. She asks, "With the national trend of cuts to the arts in schools, are arts a priority for you in providing students with a well-rounded education?" Eighty percent of students at Beacon max more than max out on their arts requirements, um, and that's something that. We've been lucky that they've wanted to do, um, but I think it's extremely important that students have exposure to the arts. Now, that might be in whatever the minimum courses they need to take. That might be extracurricularly. That might be in competitions. But that creative side, even if, I mean, most students won't become professional artists. But I think if we think about a liberal arts education, 
creating balanced, well-rounded students. The arts are a really important component of that. And additionally, the community benefit that the arts have in terms of people coming together to watch a play, to go to a performance, to go to an art show, you can't, you sort of can't manufacture that without the, the engine of creativity that the arts brings along. Um, so while, of course, when people ask me about Gibbons, they usually know about the athletic program, I'm very quick to say, and there are almost 300 students in the dance program, for example, which I, that's still, that, that statistic blows me away um, <laughs> still. And I know that's the case also for the other performing arts as well as, as the visual arts. Um, but of that commitment that it's already very evident at Gibbons is something that attracted me to this position. And you'll see me at a lot of plays, performances, and art shows, et cetera, um, because I think there's this precious moment between 14 and 18 when students are both vulnerable and invulnerable, and that, that intersection is where, the, where, where beautiful art can really happen. We are going to see Miss Firecracker tonight. I'm super excited. I'm very excited for Miss Firecracker. So, all right, here we go. Next question. I'm going to move more. Uh, something you said when you talked about the three things that about Gibbons, Catholic culture, community. Mm-hmm. So my question is from uh, Austin Faris, one of our theology educators. He asks. How will your Catholic faith be lived out in your interactions with our students, our educators, and our families? So I think, you know, in this position, it's it's very important that um, I am able to sort of clearly articulate the importance of, of Catholicism to Gibbons um, as an institution, um, both from a curricular perspective, from an extracurricular perspective, and from a kind of a cultural perspective. And so... You know, it's about, you know, being not just present, but participatory in masses. It's in, it's about, you know, going to the chapel with intentionality, both when there's a mass going on and otherwise. I think it's about modeling for our students what it's like to be an adult in, in 2020 and being a faithful person. Um, and that's not through, for me proselytizing or, you know, like wearing a gigantic cross around my neck. It's more about action um, and, and sort of setting the environment in such, a, in such a way where it's easy to practice one's faith and also being open to the idea that practicing faith is different for lots of different people and not having hard and fasts around things that are arbitrary because that's, I think, something that oftentimes will turn folks off. Um, and for us, for me, it's more about allowing for students to have their faith life grow in an organic way so that they're that when they leave here, they are able to, to pass along the faith to their children, um, but also have a, a more nuanced understanding about religion and how it does impact so many different aspects of our lives. And this is kind of more of the, the scholar in me kind of coming out, but I, I mean... One of the reasons that I ended up doing a couple of degrees in religion was because everyone's got an opinion on religion and I wanted to have an informed one. Um, And so, and be able to sort of traffic in many circles when we talk about this aspect of our lives that is very private, um, but, and very public and kind of finding out how to bring those two spheres together so that it's it's something that um, 
is a conversation that is not, uh, isn't strange or weird, but just is like talking about anything else. You know, when the board of trustees crafted this position and, and changed it, uh, one of the components of the job for head of school was ensuring the legacy that is Cardinal Gibbons and making sure that we have a plan and the resources to continue on this mission towards this vision of the best Catholic education that comes with this responsibility in advancement work. Mm -hmm. So... From our advancement director, J.P. Gregory, he asks, what do you envision being the greatest opportunity for advancement efforts in the short term and the long term? So I was really struck by the athletic video that just came out and how it ended with, uh, I mean, the video itself was, I was telling Mr. Monroe that I was in an Uber on Lakeshore Drive and I saw that for the first time. And I, I got chills, and I didn't know any of the kids in the, in the thing at all. It was, it was amazingly produced and well done, and, and his words were fantastic. But what struck me was the last bit when that question flashed onto the screen, what's your legacy? And I think for me, um, that's, that's sort of an opening question for anyone interested in participating um, in, in Gibbons from a, from a kind of advancement sort of way. Because we're all stewards of the mission of the school. Um, but with stewardship comes crafting legacy, right? Because if there's no legacy, then there's, there's, no, there's no school. Um, and so um, kind of working with, with people to sort of revision how we can think about the Gibbons legacy through an advancement lens. Um, I do think that there's great opportunity um, to engage alums, both just having them come back on campus, which I know is very common, um, but also other ways in which they can help the school move forward. Um, because obviously for us, we want Gibbons to be at health, as healthy at, at 110 as it will be at 220, right? And so um, I think that's a key part. And then secondly, in the midterm, once, once I think we're able to fully address our alums and engage them in the school, it is about, you know, again, back to legacy, you know, what does it look like to build a robust endowment that maybe that funds financial aid, maybe that funds teacher salaries or something else, but something that um, sort of frees us up from a budget perspective to create an environment that, again, makes Gibbons um, a school of choice, not just because it's Catholic, but because it's a great school that's very strategic in how it, it puts its assets together and creates an environment um, that people want to be a, a part of. And I think environment is broadly defined there is what's happening right now outside this door with, with students in classrooms, but also, you know, how our alums are interacting with one another in Las Vegas. I'm sure there's some there that like know each other and how that sort of string of legacy, you know, goes from Raleigh, Raleigh all over the country and all over the world. Um, and, and having that common tie um, and a narrative that we all believe in and we want to be a part of. Well, thank you, Jeff Bell, for talking with me today. It has been thoroughly enjoyable. I hope our audience enjoys it as well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ms. Barkin. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Mm -hmm.